The Jesuits and spiritual directors of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center invite you into prayer. As we begin our prayer time, we pause for a moment, rest our bodies, and sense God's loving gaze upon us. God is here, inviting us to be still and know that I am God. Today, we pray for the grace of patience when the world moves more slowly than we'd like into the love that is God. And we pray for a deep trust that through it all, God is with us as we move toward the fulfillment of creation. This week's reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains, even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope, but who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit? Because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. This week's contemporary voice is by Thomas Merton. Trees and animals have no problem. God makes them what they are without consulting them, and they are perfectly satisfied. With us, it is different. God leaves us free to be whatever we like. We can be ourselves or not, as we please. We are at liberty to be real or to be unreal. We may be true or false. The choice is ours. Now we may wear one mask and now another, and never, if we so desire, appear with our own true face. 
but we cannot make these choices with impunity. Causes have effects. And if we lie to ourselves and to others, then we cannot expect to find truth and reality whenever we happen to want them. If we have chosen the way of falsity, we must not be surprised that truth eludes us when we finally come to need it. Let these words sink into your soul. Today's reflection is from Father Peter Fink. You know, the reading from St. Paul to the Romans is for me a challenge as I read the Atlanta Journal and Constitution and the New York Times each morning. All creation is groaning in labor even now. The war in Ukraine the investigations into the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the reaction to the roadway decision and the ongoing clash between the rights of women's health and the rights of the unborn child. These are just a few of the sufferings of this present world, groaning for redemption. You know, it's hard to realize sometimes the glory that will be revealed to us when we're faced with all the darkness in this world. It's hard to imagine what Paul calls the hope that creation itself will be set free from slavery to corruption. I can't help wondering where and when the glorious freedom of the children of God will appear. But Paul is not speaking as a philosopher, weighing the promise of good over against the existence all around us, the existence of evil. He's not speaking in metaphor, showing how the inevitable outcome of suffering will soon yield later goodness. Paul is so completely embraced within himself of the power and mercy of God, that he knows the sufferings of this world are, in his words, nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Now, Paul is speaking about hope. He's not speaking about victory or defeat. Hope takes us beyond 
victory and defeat. Hope takes us to the one who is before us, drawing us in all creation into the world of his love. Elsewhere, Paul put it, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the human heart what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 He's not being silly. He's not holding out to us an empty promise to soothe us, or in my case, to soothe me as I read the New York papers, the New York and Atlanta papers. He's inviting you and me deeply into that world of trust that was his. He is inviting us into the love of God. St. Thomas Merton, in his brief remark, gives a clear distinction between us human folk and the rest of creation. At least insofar as we know, nothing that is not human has the problem. The world is as God created it. Quote, God makes them what they are without consulting them. They are perfectly satisfied. But we human folk have freedom. And the sufferings of this present world didn't just happen. More than we realize, we chose them. The war in Ukraine could have unfolded quite differently with different choices. The disaster of January 6th could have unfolded quite differently with a whole set of different choices. The reaction in the wake of Rovade could certainly be less volatile if church and state found ways to respect both the health and care of the mother and the life of the child within her, in a way that allowed the child to be born and both mother and child appropriately and adequately taken care of. Choices are involved, and the human hope is that the choices we are invited to are choices towards peace, towards justice, towards honest care, towards love. You know, recently, I was reading a book by David Brooks called The Second Mountain, The Quest for a Moral Life. It's an interesting book that gives some human witness to the groaning of all creation. The first, first mountain, as Brooks notes, is about the ego and all the things that the self-centered person seeks career, fame, riches, honor, power. That mountain, he shows, will sooner or later become empty and unsatisfying. Something will happen, and then the person falls from that first mountain into the valley below. And many find themselves lost in that valley, and too frequently choose all sorts of disastrous choices. But there are some, some who leave the valley and the world of the ego and enter into a world of generous giving, 
And that is the second mountain. Now, what follows in the book are stories of men and women who think now of others rather than themselves, people who work for the poor, the abandoned, those on the fringe, people who need. It would be impossible to begin naming the many ventures in this sort of, in this short reference, but Brooks' task is to invite us into a world where the spirit Paul talks about is alive, stretching the human imagination in so many directions, all leading to love, to hate, not hatred, to care, not disrespect, to life, not to death. You know, I must admit I had uh, several reactions to the book. He cites many authors, and I kept thinking, he's read an awful lot of books and essays, hasn't he? But that's the evil spirit. The good spirit shows me that what he is doing is inviting us into a world of love. There are so many wonderful and caring people on this second mountain, and we are asked to join them in their caring venture. And isn't that what Paul is talking about? We also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Another of my intellectual heroes is the Scottish philosopher John McMurray who addressed this same reality, ego versus self-giving. In his classic work, The Form of the Personal, McMurray moves from the claim of the ego into the world of personal relationships. The first part of his work is called The Self as Agent, where he fights all forms of the ego trip and their threat to isolationism. Descartes Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. But McMurray says rather, I do. And thinking is one of the things that humans do, but humans do much more than simply think. Self as agent calls us out of that self-centered isolation into a world of action and people and a much truer understanding of who we are. His, the second part of his work is called Persons in Relation. And there he reminds us that people do not exist for themselves. People exist with others. And much like Brooks, McMurray looks at these human relationships and sees them as the path to love. Even our relationship with God is named a personal relationship. God, who relates to us as person to person, summons us into his own wonderful love. Now, I'm struck by the starkness of Merton's observation that we are at liberty to be real or unreal, who I am or who I pretend to be. These are our choices, and we make them every day. But the choices we make cannot be made without some kind of 
cost to them. If you're false, if you choose to live in a false understanding of yourself, you may never find truth when you start looking for it and when you need it most. And now, what about God? How does God get into this? Well, Paul continues, the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groaning. God is with us in the world groaning for its completion. We're not alone. The love of God calls us and works with us to lead us into his own love. We can join the Second Mountain folk, reach out to anyone who needs our care and help, and join with God on bringing this world to redemption. Or not. We can join John McMurray and pursue the love of others rather than the hate, the path of hatred and disrespect. Or not. We can listen to Merton to be ourselves over against all pretenses. Or not. Or we can simply follow Jesus' own invitation. Love one another as I love you. We can do that. Or not. Well, blessings, everybody. Join with me. Join with all creation, groaning for completion, that God's path to love will finally be realized. And for this weekend, happy independence for those who treasure our, our democracy in America. Peace. Speak to God in these final moments about whatever is stirring in your heart.
Heavenly Father, Jesus tells us that if we ask for wisdom, you will give it. Today, I'm asking for wisdom to make good choices and decisions. Guide my thinking and sharpen my mind. God, help me to make the right decision. Help me to choose wisely between the options that are set before me. Protect me from clouded judgment and bless me with sound mind. Protect me from being double-minded or unstable during my decision-making process. Lord, please help me to decide in favor of your love. Let all that I do bring honor to your name and fulfillment of your creation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.